And what's up? Welcome in Monday episode GC Live. Wes Mitchell here, Chris Clark. Plenty to get to as South Carolina recruiting rolls along uh, the commitment of Cam Pringle over the weekend. Of course, that coming on Sunday, uh, you had an Elijah Caldwell official visit. Of course, the news dropping a little bit earlier today, or at least becoming official. I think most, most fans had put two and two together on Eddie Lewis, the Memphis wide receiver, um, ultimately ending up at South Carolina. That news became official with him joining the program. Junior day over the weekend uh, just never really stops as far as Gamecock recruiting goes, so plenty to get to. But before we do, we're going to tell you about Clint Hammond, who is our presenting sponsor here, and good friend. He's not only a supporter of the show, but a huge supporter of Gamecock Athletics, uh, clinthammond.com, 803-771-6933. Clint is now, of course, as we've told you, part of Movement Mortgage. Uh, that team you used to hear about here on the show uh, used to be at uh, Mortgage Network. Entire team is now with Movement Mortgage. So same great team, just a different name and logo. If you're in the market for a new home or you just want to see what interest rates are and see what type of home you can afford, uh, again, give Clint a shout, 803-771-6933. He's helped me. He can do the same for you. Chris, I assume... We can't start anywhere other than with the big man, Cam Pringle, making it official, committing to South Carolina on Sunday afternoon. This had been anticipated. There's a little Twitter buzz maybe about some other schools last week that I think was just sort of building up the announcement a little bit. But I, I think this had been trending this way for a little bit. You know, maybe early on, Florida being, I, I think his – admittedly his childhood favorite, maybe they were a factor. It felt like there was a stretch of this recruitment where he seemed intrigued by Tennessee, in my opinion. Um, you have the two-time defending national champ in Georgia and Kirby Smart himself uh, coming to, to 2A Woodland to check in on Cam Pringle. You had some big boys involved. I don't want to misrepresent it that this has been South Carolina the whole way. I don't think it was that much of a lock, but it also has felt like the Gamecocks have been in good position. They've had him on campus multiple times. I mean, I, I've lost count. He's another one of these instaters. We've seen we've seen this movie before, an instater who just is on campus all the time. That was the case with Cam, and he verbally commits to South Carolina during a ceremony at his high school on Sunday afternoon. Yeah, and the point you made was interesting about kind of the – you listed off a bunch of other schools, right, from the southeast, and then you had some others even, you know, Ohio State and some other kind of more national uh, or, or schools that are not in the this geographic region, not in the Carolinas, not Florida, not Georgia, not Tennessee, um, that also offered Pringle and, and would, would love to have had him as well, right? All those kind of rotated in and out, you know, or they were – a factor at one point or another. And there were some points in this recruitment West where you would hear, Hey, South Carolina's main competition may be this school or, or maybe now it's this school, but the common denominator, the consistent factor was that South Carolina was always there. And I think it's hard to kind of exactly pinpoint West, unless you have a better answer than I do. Maybe you do about just when South Carolina's lead, like really took hold here. Um, I think it was pretty early. I think the staff just did a really good job with him consistently ever since Shane Beamer arrived and, and prioritized this kid. I think South Carolina, there may have been some ebbs and flows in terms of the competition level, but they were always there. It, it was consistently South Carolina 
at the top of his list in sole position or at the top of the list, kind of in a, in a lead grouping. And I know when he committed yesterday, there was, there was no surprise to it. There was no real drama to it behind the scenes. This is basically what we've been expecting for quite some time now. Yeah, no doubt. I, um, I was trying to think back too on the timeline. This stuff runs together at some point, y'all. And, you know, sometimes in a case like this, when you're that highly recruited, it's not even really that the ultimate decision is like swaying back and forth. It's maybe, you know, South Carolina has staying power is the favorite, but then maybe a guy takes a visit somewhere else and just really likes it. So for there's a stretch, you start to hear some buzz, you know, hey, this team is really pushing hard. Maybe even for a stretch, the kid himself might be thinking, hey, that's where I'm going to go. Um, I don't remember when that little Tennessee buzz was, but it felt like somewhere along the way they they did at least have his attention. He was asked, uh, not specifically, it was one of those questions where he wasn't asked open-ended, but it was brought up how important it was for him to sort of get over there during camp in the summer and actually see how the coaches um, – work on the field and uh that was mentioned as a as a big factor in all this i i think you have a situation here as well we talked about this on the 107.5 show chris as highly recruited as he has been as long as he's been on these radars for these schools i don't see schools stopping however you know you never say never but this does not feel like the kid who you're going to be constantly worried about if you're a south carolina coach you know, who else is he talking to? Where is he going to go? Is he, he's not the kid that's going to just magically visit five schools a month from now and be like, oh, I'm committed, but I'm open. Um, just doesn't really fit him. And I think as early as it is, Chris, that, that of course, will give some Gamecock fans pause. Like, okay, full. there's a full, like, almost year until he will sign. Um, however... There was no pressure on him to go ahead and commit now. I, I don't think by anyone. And uh, there was certainly no pressure from his coaching staff there at Woodland. Um, I don't think any of these programs, coaches were pressuring him. So that sort of, if you want to look at it a little bit just from a logical standpoint, that may that leads me to believe that he felt pretty comfortable that he was – ready to make his decision, and also added in that his mom is a big Gamecock fan. So yesterday was her birthday, and that was part of the reason he chose that day to do it. Yeah, great point that, you know, he, he didn't feel pressure to do it and didn't rush into it. You know, sometimes you see a guy make an early commitment, and you can just kind of see it coming a mile away that, okay, this is just however you want to classify it. It's a reservation or this is just this is just really kickstarting this kid's recruitment, right? Like a lot of us that cover recruiting, uh, we kind of have these jokes about particularly guys in the state of Florida, like their first commitment to like Miami or Florida or FSU. That really just kind of signifies the start of their recruitment, right? This is a little bit this is a lot different, really, from that. I mean, Pringle has been recruited for a long time. He's been a lot of places. He's taught with a lot of coaches. And really, I mean, look back to when his recruitment started. I know I mentioned this previously. Uh, talked about it some on the 107.5 show today. Uh, you know, this is a kid that hit the radar really December 2020. 
So he hits the radar December 2020. By the time the following spring rolls around, I was actually reading one of Wes's old stories on Cam Pringle yesterday, March 2021, I think he had five Power 5 offers. He had South Carolina, Georgia, Arizona State, a couple others. So this is a kid that's been recruited for a long time. His process got going early. And so this isn't someone that got a bunch of offers and just said, I'm going to commit somewhere just for the heck of it. You know, I think you look at how he's operated, look back at his commitment ceremony. If you missed it, check it out. Uh, how, how he structured that, the people around him, you, you talk to people that are familiar with him as a kid, you know, he, he's one to make more measured decisions. So even though, yes, this is an early commitment, Wes, I think for him, for somebody who has gone through recruiting for so long, it's actually a very thoughtful decision. And, and it was just for him, it was just time. Yes. It lined up, as you said, with his mom's birthday, but he was legitimately ready to make this decision and felt at peace with it. I think. Yeah, like you said, he uh, God, he's been through the process for a long time. So I I got a sense as well that just being able to now shut down some of the the calls, the texts, the DMs, everything that goes into being a highly rated prospect, highly regarded dude, the fact that you hit the you hit the radar just so early. Even, not even all highly rated guys are on the radar that quickly, that early, that young, and, that, and luckily he was mature one of these guys is mature beyond his years so he was uh young he was mature enough at his young age when it all started hitting that he handled it extremely well went through the process and um you know found his school it appears and he he was even asked like are, are you going to take other visits and he was just like you know as long as nothing changes with South Carolina as far as the relationships and you know they they it was basically like as long as there aren't like major coaching changes is what I read into it. As long as they don't just stop talking to me, I don't even take it as like a, they have to keep recruiting me. It was just like, you know, you've seen in the past where guys just get dropped by schools, which not that that would ever happen with Cam Pringle, but um, his point was as long as everything stays the same with them, everything's going to stay the same with me. And, um, you know, so I, I think Georgia will keep pushing. I think Tennessee will probably keep pushing, maybe Florida as well, but it's going to take a ton to even get him to to listen from what it sounds like. Uh, let's dive a bit, and we're already we already knocked out about 15 minutes of the show, and we haven't hit on um, even anything else. But let's dive into him as a player, Chris. Uh, depending on where you look, again, one thing I love about on three is that you have the various ways you can compare the different rankings right there on the profile and um, industry comparison has him everything from the number one offensive tackle in the country, which is what both the consensus and ESPN actually have him as, all the way up uh, the the worst, if you could say it that way, is number nine. Yeah, number nine offensive tackle in the country. So I think on three itself has him as the number two, but they actually are even a little bit higher on him as far as the overall ranking in the country. So um, I'll pull up the film here in a second, Chris, but what's your initial thought on Pringle as a prospect? Well, so you look at the listed height and weight, 6'8", 340. And Wes, I know you gave some thoughts on this earlier today that at this point, probably not as big as 340. And even if you don't give him 6'8", and you say he's more 6'6", 6'7", 
point is this this is a big dude right so that's number one but don't get too hung up on size because what you want to see in an offensive lineman is can he move is he flexible can he bend uh can he run out in the open field can he move his feet and pass protection and and for run blocking uh, able to you know do all the techniques that you need to do uh to be a top flight lineman and so you look at him, and yes, he's impressive when he walks through the door, but then you turn on the film and you see that, okay, this is a big guy that can really, really move. And I think that's a trait that gives him – those traits, rather, give him a really, really high upside. Because, yeah, he, he looks great getting off the bus, and, and he will at South Carolina. But then you dive into the actual physical tools, and this is an athletic guy for his size. This isn't just a big – lumbering, you know, sloppy, uh, for lack of a better term, offensive lineman. Yeah, and trying to get to the tape here for y'all, I, um, I I think he's probably a true tackle. Like, there was a, li- there was a little bit of chatter at one point of, you know, could he possibly be a guard? I, I think he's a tackle all the way. Um, looking at him yesterday, seeing the body type. Um, here, let me get this film for y'all. Struggle to do two things at once. I'll tell you all that. But all right, there it is. Um, this is junior film from Cam, and I, I think he's a true like right tackle. Ultimately, from what I've heard, I mean, br- still brings some physicality to the position, and is one of these guys. If you talk to him, he is very laid back, very mature. Not really, you know, a man of a bunch of words. Not necessarily shy either, but just sort of um, laid back. I would say. You see him on the on the field, and this is one thing their coaches were telling me, is that he's just one of those guys that flips a switch when uh, when the whistle blows. He plays offense, he plays defense, um, does a little bit of everything there. Plays basketball, which I think has been very good for his dexterity, and you know certainly for his athleticism and cardio, and um, has has dropped some some poundage. I think probably since that three forty number was put out there, and. Chris, I, I actually would love to go watch him play basketball. I think that would be um, quite entertaining to watch some of these 2A schools maybe try to bang with him inside at 6'7", 300-plus. But, uh, you know, you, you sort of look at how they've started to rebuild this O-line, man. I mean, Lonnie Teasley taking over as the full-time O-line coach he's going to have some young guys to work with in the next few years that are all incredibly highly rated and highly recruited. Yeah. USC's done a really good job just to kind of go big picture on the offensive line lately. You look at the class they brought in this year, a couple transfers, right? Um, one in Nick Gargiulo from Yale that I think has a chance to be an immediate impact guy, maybe even a starting center. Then you look at Sidney Flugar, who's got some traits from Western Illinois. You look at, um, you know, Jatavia Shivers out of Georgia, and then other than that, a trio of four-star guys, right? Tree, Babalade, Marky Anderson, Trovon Ball, all different body types and different skill sets. And then you look at, obviously, Pringle being a great start to 2024. South Carolina has a chance, Wes, to sweep the top three, possibly, offensive linemen in the state. They're, they're in really good position to do so with at least two of them, and Pringle and Josiah Thompson from Dillon. So, you look at kind of the star power, sure, that's nice on paper, but then just the body types, the traits, some of the recruiting battles that they're winning too, Wes. I mean, you get Marquis Anderson out of Dorman. You pull Trevon Ball, who had a nice offer list, kind of quietly 
you know, you pull him from Atlanta and get him committed early, you know, in the process tree, obviously had a nice offer list was a highly ranked guy. So, you know, Pringles a national level recruit. So I think a lot of people Teasley included, I think this is really helpful to their recruiting efforts that Teasley, you know, moved from the analyst position where he was already building relationships with these kids to the on-field O-line coach, then Greg Atkins, who was the O-line coach and has, of course, built these relationships over the course of some years since he's been at South Carolina, is also still involved with the program. Then a lot of other people support staffers who deserve a lot of credit for what they've done on the offensive line, too. So just big picture. Yeah, they're starting to stack um, some some nice young talent. 23 class was really strong. 24 has a chance to be so as well. Yeah, I think it's been a team effort as far as O-line recruiting, but that only continues. It's just essentially, you know, and they said they haven't really, I guess, named Greg Atkins' new position, but essentially, uh, you know, he swapped places with Lonnie Teasley as far as um, how it would look from a recruit's perspective. And, you know, I, I think that what they've done just sort of continues from there. You know, those two guys, Sam Surbay, always doing a great job. Uh, Taylor Edwards heavily involved as well. So, you know, I, I think these guys um, – have really just teamed up to recruit the last two classes. You look moving forward, Josiah Thompson out there, Blake Franks out there. Um, Clint asking, do I see um, Josiah Thompson as a left tackle? That That's just my opinion, Clint. If I'm if they get them both, I, I think Josiah maybe ends up being the left tackle. Joey's saying Cam's going to be the blindside tackle. I mean, you got to see how it plays out, right? Like, I'm just giving one man's opinion in that. I think Cam maybe becomes more of the right tackle, Josiah potentially the left tackle. But we'll see. You know, We'll see how these guys develop, what size they are, um, how they match up when they get into college. That's a – it's really a long way off because it could end up either way. But, I mean, Chris, you talk about the potential of adding Josiah Thompson. And don't look now, but it sure feels to me – like they are making a move for Blake Franks. It it was all but – I don't want to say it was all but decided he was going to Clemson, but it sure felt like he was going to Clemson. And the thing is, he has kept allowing South Carolina opportunities to recruit him. He was on campus at the end of the last uh, calendar year. He was back on campus for junior day on Saturday. I got a little bit of feedback from him for Gamecock Central. Just the questions he was asking, going into detail about, you know, his major, what that would look like at South Carolina, felt to me like somebody who isn't just going through the process. Felt to me like somebody who is really listening and paying attention and is going to make an informed decision. So I don't want to say – I wouldn't put Blake Franks quite in the Cam or Josiah – category as far as being like a lean that I would feel really strongly about. However, it sure feels like South Carolina has a greater chance with him now than they did, I don't know, maybe two months ago. Oh, yeah, no doubt. This one's very, very close. And really, from where I'm sitting right here, Wes, probably agree, you know, I could see this one going either way. And I think it has kind of possibly even swung back and forth based on last visit. And that that's to say nothing of Frank's like waffling or not being able to make a decision. I think it's just, it's just tough for him between these two in-state programs. Uh, 
you know, Clemson's, I know uh, academics, the, the engineering program in particular has been cited as something that he really likes. South Carolina, I think the staff has done a really, really good job from a relationship standpoint. All the people that we mentioned in the past, right? Off the field, Surbay, Taylor Edwards, Lonnie Teasley, Greg Atkins, Beamer. I mean, they've done a really, really good job with him. And so I thought it was really interesting, Wes, that it was kind of a point of emphasis. And it was it was this for a lot of the recruits. A lot of the recruits that we've talked to from this weekend talked about how they got a closer look at the educational aspect of South Carolina. That was clearly something that they harped on this time. But I think that was an area where they needed to go with Franks to kind of show him a little bit more on that. So really interesting that they did that and that he he cited that to you as something that stood out about this trip. Um, seems close. We'll kind of, we'll see where it goes. You all, I know it got mentioned here in the comments on YouTube that, you know, Frank's talking back and forth a little bit with Cam Pringle yesterday, a little camaraderie there. So it'll be interesting to see where this one goes. Well, and, and you're talking about someone who uh, wants to decide in February. Kind of felt like that might not happen if he's just not ready. You know, I think with to sort of match it up with what we were talking about with Cam, with Cam, I, I think he was just, he was ready to do it. With Blake, it's maybe, you know, if he's not ready, he's not ready. So I, it'll be interesting to see, does he keep that February timeline he told me he didn't have a date necessarily locked in right now, February, but could easily change. So we'll, we'll see what happens there. But um, either way, Carolina situating themselves in a good spot with um, obviously already landing Pringle. I think they're in great a great spot with Josiah Thompson. He was on campus over the weekend. Again, another guy that's probably taken 20-plus visits, it seems like, to South Carolina. That may not even be an exaggeration. And then trying to get Blake Franks as well. A couple of other out-of-state guys coming in, a, a new offer out at O-line. And uh, so that that class for, for 2024, the O-line class, already starting to take shape, you would certainly say. Um, we got to talk a bit about 2024, big picture. Some guys coming up, some guys about to commit. But, uh, Chris, we get news. Before we get to that, we get news earlier today about Eddie Lewis um, officially being a part of the team. This is something that was a little bit uh, sort of just quiet for a minute there, I, I would say. Um, you go back, he was one of the the welcome homes, but now that is official on campus, part of the program, part of the team, and I think an instant impact guy for South Carolina. Yeah, in more ways than one. And so, you know, I, I do think South Carolina is going to continue looking not only to the high school ranks because Elijah Caldwell in the 2023 class is out there, Wes. We could see more portal activity once the portal reopens on May 1st through May 15th after spring football across the country. You might see another little wave of portal uh, transfers in, in and out. So South Carolina, I think their staff will keep their eyes peeled there, but they needed one immediately, you know, in, in this cycle, somebody who could go th- come come in uh, go through spring practice. And that's what Lewis brings. And I said more ways than one, because you, you think about Wes back to last year and Josh Van and the role he played. Troy said is Lewis a Sanders. No, I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to put that on him, Troy. I mean, that'd be cool. Wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I may, maybe there's, there's definitely some recency bias here. He, he actually does remind me of Josh Van. 
like from a skill set standpoint. Like I know you were talking about Josh Van in terms of them needing a guy to replace him as punt returner, but I think look look at Josh as a player. He actually Josh had very good hands. Like I know he went through that stretch where um, yeah. he had some the, a case of the drops. And if you just had never watched him before, you might not agree with me saying that. But Josh actually has phenomenal hands, and Josh is like not the biggest guy, but not a Sanders. He's not tiny, and he's not blazing. He's not the guy you say, "Oh, that's a blazer track speed." Mm-hmm. But he's not slow by any means. He carved out routes pretty well. Um, could play inside. Could play outside was a punt returner who managed to make plays in that part of the game. Really, like, I, I think that might be an appropriate comparison if fans are wondering what type of player from a skill set standpoint. Even his PFF grades as a punt returner and as a receiver are similar to what Josh's were at South Carolina. Yeah, and, and you basically just completely said what I was going to say before the EMP struck us. Um in that, you know, you, you kind of need that van replacement. Like, you need a complimentary receiver, and you're looking around going, who's going to return punts? Because while South Carolina didn't make huge plays, it seems like some of the big ones they did make got called back um, a couple different times or a few different times, Wes. But, uh, by the way, Wes is still with us right now. He did not get hit by an EMP, I don't think. He'll be back. Um, I, I do think they – you're kind of thinking through that and going, okay, well, who is it? Is it a Marion Brown? Is it somebody else? Josh Van brought sure hands to that punt return position as well. And that's valuable. And so when you look at Lewis, he was a guy, he's returned a punt for a touchdown in his career, but otherwise he seemed very reliable there. Um, and so I think that's a, that's really fair to kind of expect, Hey, if he can replace that type of production, that'd be really good in my opinion for South Carolina. So you're bringing in a guy that has some experience, a similar skill set, can play some receiver, be a complimentary piece, and potentially Wes be your starting punt returner. Uh, it looked like Memphis played him a lot in the slot, um, would have him run slot fades and different routes there. So uh, a guy that showed good hands, uh, the, the little bit of film that I did round up, I haven't watched a whole bunch of Memphis games admittedly, but did look up a little bit on him and kind of came away thinking that he'd be a solid complimentary piece, potential starter, you know, in this receiver rotation. Yeah, not, there's not a lot out there on him, honestly, as far as just finding highlights. Um, but, yeah, he did play some slot. According to PFF, he played more outside for them, which kind of – See, I think the highlights I saw, I'm like, this guy's all in the slot. Maybe that's yeah, his that's best spot. His plays, but, we'll see. Um, you know, I, I think that with him, um, they'll, they'll just use him wherever – He's really needed. I, I think you, you obviously you bring back AB and to carry on in the slot. You have Leggett back on the outside, um, as far as guys that have like done it. Um, in addition to Juice, of course. But I'm more thinking about who's going to complement Juice in this offense. You're going to have some good, I would say, good competition among those guys. And like you said, man, they're going to keep adding guys. I think if they can find the right ones, I think they're in great shape with Elijah Caldwell, uh, the high school ranks. And then, you know, if the right guy comes along, be it Portal, Juco, whatever, if the right guy comes along, I think they could continue to add at that position if it is from a difference-making type player. Um, 
tell you what, uh, Chris, give us your thoughts on uh, Michael Smith real quick. Yeah, re really like this guy. Um, good size, you know, six foot four, 225 pounds. Um, kind of recruiting look back, uh, South Carolina, his first offer, I believe, uh, definitely first power five offer. Um, that was when Eric Kimry was on staff as a tight ends coach. So they jumped in on this kid very, very early in the process and kind of have, have continued that through when Jody Wright was hired at South Carolina, continued that relationship. Just a really good athlete. Like you look at him, he kind of looks like a wide, a bigger wide receiver. You turn on the film, he looks like a bigger wide receiver. This is someone that can leap, that can make the acrobatic catches, that can run. And so just in terms of his his size, his frame, his ball skills, man, th this is a this is a pass catching tight end. So um a master really nice really nice offer list. Arkansas has has been in the final three. Ohio State's been in the final three. South Carolina's been in the final three and seems to be a really high comfort level uh with Smith and the Gamecock football staff so yeah, far Smith, leading up. Yeah, Smith making his decision. Um 12.05, which is a random time. I, Very specific. Is that based on a uh, school bell or something? That's what I'm thinking. That's a good thought. Or he just knows recruiting announcements other than Lenore Sellers are always late. Yeah, yeah. Now, now Cam Pringle, it, it was running a little bit late, but it was like once it got going, boom. So we've had what have we had two in a row that have been nice and tidy once they started. Yeah, once they started. Now Cam, I think Cam was waiting on a family member to get there yep. um, before they started. But Lenoris is the most on time, oh. fast. That was crazy. Just over. It was over in about one minute. <laughs> I've ever seen. But yeah, yeah. so Michael Smith, twelve oh five, and uh, I'll I'll just go ahead and tell y'all full disclosure. I'm um so the reason I like quickly just was like chris talk about michael smith also the dog the family dog is in the office right now and my office is the uh, room over the garage so there's like stairs and if i don't block off the stairs he will go try to like go down them and he's not big enough to go down them so i had to go make sure the dog wasn't about to go rolling down the stairs and then me have to hear about it being my fault that he has three broken legs so that that's what that's what was happening there um that's why i just was like all right chris you got to talk about something but uh it, it was valuable because michael smith is deciding tomorrow tuesday 1205 we'll have complete gamecock central coverage of that as well much like we did with cam pringle and uh, i want to talk a bit about wendell gregory here in a second but first uh, we're going to tell you about our friends at liberty tax 803-462 Five five seven six. Um, it is tax time officially. It is here. Uh, you can cure your tax anxiety with our friends at Liberty Tax in Irmo, Lexington, and Columbia by letting them handle your taxes. Um, fast, accurate, guaranteed, all the things you want to hear about doing your taxes. Uh, they're also locally owned and operated. They're staffed by tax professionals. Uh, they're open 9 to 9 on weekdays and 9 to 5 on Saturdays. They also have multiple service options. You can start through the app. Uh, you can start on the desktop portal, or you can just walk in and do it in person, old school. Whatever way works best for you, our friends at Liberty Tax 
will take care of you. 803-462-5576. Chris, Wendell Gregory. Man, this would be a start for the Gamecocks. How good is this kid? We were talking about on 107.5. Everybody has him as a four-star. <laughs> but there is some there's some distance yep. in how high on three is on him versus maybe some of the other services. As high as the number four linebacker in the country, which if you're a four-star player, you are you're a good player. Like you're a really good player. But if you're the number four linebacker in the country, um, that's a completely different sentence, in my opinion. So you're, you're really talking about actually being on borderline of being in that five-star conversation. I'll, one, be curious. Obviously, South Carolina's got to get him on Friday. But if they can, you're talking about, as we talked about earlier, back-to-back classes of landing, you know, true four-star guys with him and Pup Howard. Yeah, so, I mean, Wendell Gregory is planning on making a decision, an announcement on Friday, the 27th, which is also his birthday. And so, Wes, if they can land, you know, got Dante Reno in the boat, four-star quarterback, Cam Pringle in the boat, four-star offensive lineman. Um, If they can land Smith, who's also a four-star, and Gregory, that's, you know, four four four-stars to begin your 2024 class and all, I think, top 200, top 225 players. And then there's some variants in that right michael smith's top 150 gregory as you said on three its own internal rankings has him very very high and so it would it would be you know stacking him and pup howard in the 23 and 24 classes would be great but just in terms of the 2024 class overall what a start that would be and this is a kid that um you know plays a a position that i know gamecock fans have been clamoring for more talent. And so you got that with Pup Howard in the 23 class. You could potentially get it here with Wendell Gregory in the 24 class and have him have him back to back. And this is the type of guy that, you know, he has NFL, I think, tight measurables and potential West. Looks really like a will linebacker to me. Six foot three, six foot four, two oh five, two ten. You know, has the athleticism to get out and play coverage in space, but also as a as a pass rusher type. Um and and I think has has the size and the physicality as he continues to get bigger to to play the run well as too. So so a lot a lot to like to go back to the tried and true phrase about Wendell Gregory and Siri also trying to weigh in on on Wendell Gregory there. Sorry about that. What what did she say? She was just repeating what I said. She's copycat. She said a lot, a lot to like probably a, a plagiarist. Yeah. Yeah. Um, hey, so. What what do you look for when you're when you say a guy's probably a will versus a Mike? You know, from what you've seen just here at South Carolina too, specifically in this scheme, what do you think maybe makes a good will versus being a fit for that Mike spot? Yeah, that's a really good question because I I've even thought about that. It's like, why do I say that? You know, like I don't know if you ever think about things like that. It's like. What makes this position versus that position? I think for me, I, I kind of thinking about some of the traits of other people that they've played there, right? So like, for instance, um, you think of Brad Johnson and Brad's a really interesting, like that's not really your prototypical Will linebacker because he was a, he was a D end in high school. And, um, you know, he started his career as, as a buck or an, an edge position in Will Muschamp's scheme. 
at South Carolina and then moved out to the will linebacker position last year in 2021. But one thing that he was really good at was rushing the passer, you know, when they would send him on those blitzes or delayed blitzes when the running back would stay in. But I think like at the will position in general from South Carolina, like a guy who's got some length, who can cover tight ends, who can go out and cover backs out of the flat in the backfield, who has some pass rushing ability, but also is is big and physical enough to hold up in the box against the run. And I mean, there's probably some carryover in the traits, you know, of a, of a Mike linebacker too, a Mike versus a Will. I know you've said, Wes, that sometimes they can kind of be interchangeable. We've seen guys at South Carolina, including in this scheme, who have experience playing both. But that's kind of what I'm thinking about. It, it might be your – in some cases, it might be like your more athletic option out there at the Will spot. Um, but I, th- I think it just depends. But those are some of the things that I look at. Well, I think it's like anything. If you have – if you just have two absolute stud linebackers that are better than everybody else you have, you probably find a way to get them both on the field. Like I, I don't I don't look at it like there's enough difference between the two that it allows that it won't allow me to get my two best on the field. But also I'm sure there are skill set things and you know, if, if you as with anything, there's like, all right in a perfect world, what does this guy look like versus, um, you know, maybe you play a guy to spot and you say, well, we got to maybe not make these calls as much with him to protect him in certain situations. In his case, though, I mean, he's carrying he's carrying receivers down the field, <laughs> making plays 40 yards from the line of scrimmage. I mean, that's not something you necessarily see a ton of from linebackers. And, you know, I, I think, Chris, you look at you look at linebackers these days, a lot of times these guys are hard to find because high schools just put them on the edge mm-hmm. and say, go get the quarterback. Like, if, if you're linebacker size for, like, the SEC, a lot of high schools are just saying, go play defensive end or, yeah. like, a stand-up outside linebacker where it's really not a space-playing position. It's just, hey, go get the quarterback. So, when you find a guy who's – got some size to him that can diagnose plays that can stop the run, but also can carry receivers down the seam that far. Um, those guys aren't exactly easy to find. Yeah. And and they do. I mean, you see him doing a lot of different things on film. One of them is playing on the edge as a stand-up type guy. A, a great, to your point, Wes, about how high schools like to employ guys like Gregory in a lot of cases. I mean, look at Jerron Willis, who they got from Ole Miss. He was, he played some safety earlier in his career, but he was a guy that played on the edge, go get the quarterback. And so they use Gregory here at Walton uh, like that in some cases, but he's also a guy who can play more of a true linebacker spot, be an asset on special teams. But yeah, I think he just brings a lot of upside. He, he's probably not as like uh ready made of a player as a pup powered is like pup powered, just very, not only physically advanced, but just football advanced, just kind of a tackling machine. But, like, you look at Gregory's traits. I mean, he is a good player. You can see a productive player. But the traits here, as far as the length, the athleticism, you can just kind of tell there's a lot of room for growth and a lot of potential here. And I think that's something that could excite Gamecock fans. Yeah, Walton High in Marietta. Yeah, that's right. So, Carolina got – Case and Henry, 
out of Walton. Weren't there some guys during the Spurrier era that either they landed or they were highly involved in? For some reason, G.A. Mangus recruited Walton. He did, and he's a Walton alum, I believe. Maybe um, that's where I'm um, there was there was also like all those together. There was also the running back whose name is escaping me, frustratingly, that uh, had originally gone to Alabama. That South Carolina made a had a had a strong look at, um, and his name is just totally escaping me right now. But he was also, unless I'm mixing him up, I'm pretty sure he was also a Walton guy. Uh, was his name Bo something? It was not. Pretty sure it was not Bo. <laughs> I don't not, know. I just think of Bo Scarborough. Bo Scarborough reference. No, I I don't know for for some reason. I know who you're talking about, but I I'm not placing the name. Well, you know, unfortunately, now I'm going to have to go and look it up because it's really it's going to bother me for the remainder of the day. Um, yeah. Well, we'll let Chris Google that. Um, <laughs> football industry comparison commitments, which is a short way of saying the on three consensus team rankings, has South Carolina currently eighth in the country for 2024. Again, it is so early, y'all. Like, it is very, very, very early. But I wonder what the most number of four stars South Carolina has ever started a class with. Because um, as of right now, if they, if they have the week I think they will have, then they're going to have four commits and four four-stars to start this class. And they're going to be the favorites, I would say, for several others already. Now, they're going to have to keep the momentum. It, it is hard to – you got to sign a lot of good players to be a top-10 class in the end. But as far as the start goes, without even knowing the math, I, I, don't, get, I don't get this <laughs> deep into it, man. You got to think four four stars to start the class is going to bump them up to top five. Yeah, I would think so. And, and, and you know, it, it's all about how you finish, but like the momentum is very real for this class. By the way, Wes, that running back, Tyron Jones, you remember that name? So I was uh, trying to think of. Not both. Um, top 10 class. So let, let's give a little reference point. So 2023, right? Which is not, again, not completely done. We still have the February. Uh, signing period coming up on February 1st, first Wednesday of February. So number 10 this year is Tennessee. They landed 11 four-stars and one five-star. That was good enough for 10th. Um, now, they're right ahead, actually, of Clemson, who had a five-star and 16 four-stars, right? So then you start going into the different levels of four-stars. Um, I think Tennessee signed the number one uh, player in the country who's a five-star plus, so I think that helps your ranking. Um, you look at LSU, they're number five. One five-star, 18 four-stars. So the bare minimum is you're probably going to need 15 four-stars, something like that, maybe a five-star sprinkled in there somewhere to get into that top ten. So still a tall order. Um but I mean, look, when you got when you got four commitments and they're all four stars, if that's how South Carolina comes out by the weekend, 
that is, as you said, one heck of a start. Yeah, I'm trying to look at how it how it would compare to the teams ahead of them, Chris. Um, Florida had now again. It's not it's not just like number of four stars. The actual rating and the average rating, all that's going to play into this as well. But Florida is currently sixth in the country right now, and they have three total commits, all four stars. Louisville has a five star commit and a four star commit. Um, but two total commits, so they have a very high average right now. They're fifth in the country. Notre Dame currently has seven commits to start their class, six four-stars, one three-star. Um, Ohio State has a five-star and two four-stars. Georgia has seven four-stars to start their class and one three-star. So, really, it's gonna you're going to be splitting hairs, and it's going to come down to um, basically – the average rating among those guys as far as where South Carolina would be. Again, like Chris said, it doesn't really matter right now, but it is fun to talk about. And it could give you some momentum, like he said. I, I think recruits pay attention to this stuff maybe more than ever. Mm-hmm. So it is something to keep an eye on for us as well. All right, we got about, I don't know, six or seven minutes. What have we not hit, Chris? Oh, let's see. All right, previewed a couple upcoming commitments. Cam Pringle. Uh, we talked about Eddie Lewis, or, or you did, really, when, when I got zapped. Um, yeah, I think we've covered most of the, like, breaking, quote-unquote, developments. Uh, we've been so busy, man. We haven't been able to hop on the old GC Live as much as we probably would want to. Um more, I know one thing is junior day, right? So that's probably gotten lost in the shuffle a little bit. So South Carolina had a junior day on Saturday, and whew, they had a lot of kids on campus. Uh, coaching staff back out on the road this week. Shane Beamer, his assistant coaches, they're out. Um, mostly visiting high schools of 2024, 2025 prospects, really canvassing a lot of their recruiting area based on where they've been West during the contact period. You'd see Pete Limbo up in New York and Philly and you know coaches down in Florida, North Carolina, Georgia, the Carolinas all over the place, but we're going to continue rolling out. I know we had some returns from the weekend West from the junior day event, but a lot of really talented players that were on campus. Did you pick up anything? I don't know, really substantial from the weekend in terms of big moves for guys. I know, I know, um, you talked about Blake Frank some. He was on campus, but there are a lot of others as well. Yeah, that's kind of where my kind of where my head is at. I, I think that that's what like caught my attention is Blake Franks that I, I think they've just made a move there. It's kind of a combination of not that I even y'all put a ton of stock into recruiting interviews anymore, but it's a vibe. It's combined with some stuff I've heard here and there. And just the actions there as well. Mm-hmm. It doesn't seem like a guy who's locked in to going to Clemson, which is what it, it seemed like was maybe the case, um, you know, at, at one point. I did talk to um, several other guys. I'm trying to think, Chris, of who who it just felt like they made a move with. Um, talked a little bit with Amari Jefferson, who is at Baylor School, which is where Eric Kimry is at now. Um Felt like 
they have his attention a little bit. I think Georgia has his attention as well, it sounds like. Um, I'll tell you an intriguing guy is this Mike Williams, uh, who is from Flowers High School. I know you spoke to him briefly, Chris. Um, South Carolina just offered him over the weekend. They obviously now have some connections there. Did I mean, I, I, would, I would assume the process is sort of just getting underway with him, but uh, well, you think Carolina has his attention early on? Yeah, I think so. That was an interesting new offer. And, of course, from the same high school uh, that produced uh, Desmond Yumiazulu, right, from uh, the 2023 class. And not only Mike Williams-West, but another one I wanted to bring up, Braden Lee, um, who we've not talked to personally, but Braden Lee is a very highly ranked defensive back from that same program, Flowers High in Maryland. And um, a teammate, obviously, of Desmond this past year. Those two guys are pretty close. And we're going to talk about a highly ranked guy. You know, Braden Lee right now, top 100 in the on three consensus. On three, even a little bit individually higher on a number 88 in the country, the number 10 corner in the country, number two in the state of Maryland. Obviously, USC doing some good things in Maryland early for Braden Lee, but I heard this this week's visit went this weekend's visit went very very well. He was joined by his family. South Carolina also the early leader in the on three recruiting prediction machine, the RPM. They've overtaken uh, the lead for over Maryland, Ohio State, West Virginia, and some others for Braden Lee. So that that's one to definitely keep an eye on too. Obviously, Dylan Stewart West up in DC. South Carolina has been named as the leader several times there. Um, so, shoot, that, there's a bunch of kids. We can do an entire show, I know, on junior day, and we still have more returns still yet together. Yeah. Um, by the way, as we were doing the show, interesting news. Uh, Peyton Argent, uh, kicker slash punter from Hoover, announcing his commitment to South Carolina. Um, PWO deal there, but um, obviously someone that Pete Limbo has really um, – you would assume, I would say, focused in on. Like, I know Limbo, a guy who is very thorough in these evaluations, and um, I believe Argent was among the guys that was expected in this past weekend. Um, is that right, Chris? I, the lists are running together. Was it this past weekend or the weekend before? I'm pretty sure Argent was in this past weekend, the weekend that just finished. And um, – then announced his commitment to South Carolina. Um, Cole's Kicking, which I would say is like the premier kicking company and website that does rankings. They have him as the number 17 kicker in his class, 6'2", 195. Again, class of 2023 prospect. Um, we'll try to get in touch with Peyton. I don't, I don't know much about him other than just what I've read online right now. Yeah, and Pete Limbo, I remember a conversation I had with him at one of the media events, and this was not long after he got there, and kind of just asked him the philosophy on scholarshiping kickers and punters, specialists versus not. And obviously now South Carolina West has, I mean, their two starters and Kai Kroger and Mitch Jeter were brought to South Carolina originally as scholarship guys right off the bat. Hunter Rogers, their snapper, was placed on scholarship. And so you see a lot of different iterations of this. I mean, Parker White was a guy that originally walked on, earned a scholarship, earned his way. Um, and, and Limbo just kind of said, hey, you, you can do either way. I mean, he, he definitely minds the potential 
preferred walk-on route because you can a lot of times find guys and bring them in. And even if you got a kicker, Wes, he's kind of explaining this, a kicker or a punter that you think has immense physical tools and is great at the high school level, you never quite know how they're going to react, you know, when they get to college. And so, obviously, we've seen uh, guy, uh, the two guys that I mentioned, Kroger and Jeter, whether or not they were scholarship guys or not at the beginning, they were. They've proven, you know, that they can do it, that they can handle those things. And so um, you, you see this a lot in college ball in terms of guys being preferred walk-ons and ended up, you know, earning their way and becoming the guys. So we'll try to continue learning more about uh, this new addition. Yeah, Garrett asking about um, him being a five-star. Yeah, not traditional five-star. It's so like Cole's kicking. There's another kicking service. I can't think of what it's called there's there's chris sailor yeah yeah and there's one more yeah yeah but they are kicker and punter only rankings right so it's not a it's not a five-star in that you're going to look him up on on three and he's going to have a five-star by his name and he's going to (laughs) affect the rankings like a five-star guy um again coles already closed it out but coles had him number 17 and a five-star guy so um it's a nice thing for that kid, and it's a nice thing among the kicker rankings, but it's not the equivalent of being a five-star in, like, traditional rankings. So, anyway, we'll uh, continue to gather information on him. Again, complete coverage of Michael Smith, commitment tomorrow. Uh, of course, you got Wendell Gregory on Friday. And uh, we're just going to keep rolling along, y'all. Appreciate the support. As always, um, you know, lots going on. We're going to have as many GC lives as we can fit in there as well. We still have the 107.5 show. Tune in for that 11 to noon every single day. And uh, now actually more Gamecock Central than ever on 107.5 at 9 o'clock. Two days a week, you're going to have Kendall Smith. Three days a week, you're going to have Colin Taylor as well. Um, Colin has had his debut show this morning, and Kendall will have her debut show tomorrow. So congrats to them. Uh, Until we see you again, appreciate it. You'll have a good one. He's Chris. I'm Wes. We'll talk to you then.